listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Today's episode is brought to you by our Ask the Planner wedding planning template shop. Regardless of where you are in the wedding planning journey, our template shop has wedding planning shortcuts created just for you. Our most popular item is the ultimate wedding planning checklist for couples, no surprise there, and the wedding mood board template. The checklist is a game changer that tells you what to do when as you plan your wedding. And for all my decor-obsessed couples and fellow wedding pros, the Wedding Mood Board template organizes that messy Pinterest board into a cohesive decor plan. For my wedding pros out there, my styled shoot, photo, shot list, and timeline is also just for you. Get access to all wedding planning shortcuts and more in the Wedding Planning Template Shop at shop.verveventco.com. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com. Make sure you use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Again, use the code PODCAST10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Welcome to today's episode of Ask the Planner. Today, we're talking about wedding finances and the best way to accurately budget for your wedding. I know, I know, money can be a tough topic, but I know almost all of you listening have had to have the budget of discussion with your future spouse or partner, and it's kind of a touchy subject. However, having an accurate budget from the beginning is so important and will help mitigate a lot of potential stress down the road not to mention help you avoid making costly mistakes at the last minute. Today, we are unpacking everything you need to know about wedding budgeting with my guest, Renee Sabo of Urban Soiree. So Renee's lifelong love affair with weddings started out as a high school dream that quickly evolved as she pursued a career in the industry throughout college and beyond. From rentals to planning to catering, her diverse experience has touched every corner of the industry and has led to her role as a multifaceted thought leader for event professionals everywhere. Inspired to start her own business, Renee received her MBA with a focus in entrepreneurship, awesome, and quickly put her degree to work when she launched Urban Soiree in 2017. Today, her award-winning company delivers elevated and romantic celebrations through full-service wedding planning and design for couples on the East Coast and destinations worldwide. Renee's success with Urban Soiree has earned her and her company numerous accolades, including being named as the 2020 Best of Boston Best Wedding Planner by Boston Magazine. When she's not busy bringing her clients' dreams to life, she's committed to writing quality education to the industry through her podcast, The Confetti Hour, which I listen to, where she shares insight and fosters candid conversations with experienced wedding creatives. Her devotion to the future of the industry extends to her role as president of WIPA Boston and press president of ILIA Boston, as well as her passion for one-on-one mentoring with the next generation of planners. Everyone, please help me welcome Renee to the show. Renee, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to chat. Thank you, Desiree. Thank you for having me. And I'm so, so happy to be here. This is a really good topic and I'm just excited to help provide some insight on it. I think it's going to be a really fun conversation. So thank you. Yeah, I, I love completely your- agree. Oh my gosh. So I love starting each episode getting to know our guests a little bit before we dive in. So can you just tell our listeners a little bit more about you, your background, and what brought you to where you are today? Yes. Thank you. I'd love to. And thank you for reading my very long-winded bio. As you're reading it, I was definitely blushing. I'm like, I should shorten that up. Uh, no, It's but- amazing though. It's so, oh, it's, thank I mean, you. it's awesome. I can't take credit. I definitely <laughs> have had some help with the marketing. I appreciate that though. Yeah. So uh, like, like you said, my name's Renee and I am the owner of Urban Soiree. I'm a full service wedding planner. I do planning, design and event management. And I am basically a very lucky, I, I call myself lucky because I kind of knew what I wanted to do at an early age. And I didn't really know how I was going to do it. But essentially, my mom got married in high school, and she hired a wedding planner. And I was obsessed with the wedding planner. Like she probably thought I was <laughs> just weird, like high school girl. But she was actually truly very kind. She let me shadow her. And from there, I just really 
was fascinated by the world of events. And, you know, my mom had a fabulous wedding. I was in it. And then after that, I went to college and there really wasn't any type of education surrounding the event industry. Like it existed, but it it really wasn't what it is today. And so I went into communications, marketing and PR type of work because that was the closest I could get to like events, like companies would be doing marketing events. And it was really interesting. So I'm, I still just kept coming back to weddings and basically, you know, I kept trying to get jobs and experiences in the event industry that would like lead me to the social, we call it the social side of things, right? Like the weddings, social events. And, you know, I just, uh, no matter what job I had, I just always had this like feeling I just really wanted to be a wedding planner. So I've worked in venues, catering, rentals, and um, I'm really lucky for those experiences because I think they helped shape me as a wedding planner, but I always came back. And now I'm really excited because I've been in my own business now for, you know, five years or so. The pandemic makes it feel like 10. So I'm like, how long have I been in business? And prior to that, I had some great experience with other planners here in Boston. So yeah, I love this job. And weddings are like my bread and butter. But because I've been in the industry a long time, I've also been able to start um, working with fellow like wedding creatives and doing some education uh, side of my stuff. So yeah, I I love it all. And this industry is really, really the best place to be. So. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I feel like I have a lot of similarities with you. I, I, although yeah. I did not know that I wanted to go into wedding planning when I was in high school. I, I just always did a lot of the event stuff in mm. school and in college. Like I did our activities board and I was on the prom committee and I was, you know, like always doing that kind love of it. stuff. And yeah. then I was similar. I did PR after I graduated because I thought that's – I also liked writing. So yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm oh, gonna, me too. Gonna How crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. there wasn't. <laughs> this is really creepy. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and you started your business in 2017, and so did I. Oh, but really? We both haven't had, been, yeah, have had experience in other things before. Yeah, so crazy. So many things. But I anyway, it's so enough about us. We'll keep talking yeah, about enough about us. We're here to help you guys. <laughs> So today we're talking about wedding budgeting and finances. And I think it's a great topic because finances play such a huge role in the wedding planning process. And a couple's budget is a really big source of stress, especially in the beginning, because Mm -hmm. wedding planning can be a process. And obviously the budget affects a lot of the decisions, such as who they go with for a photographer, a DJ, et cetera. So having couples put together a budget in the beginning is important. But for them, it's hard, I think, to put together – put a number on the budget because they have no frame of reference for what something should or could cost. So how do you recommend couples build a realistic budget for their wedding? Yeah. And that I know is such a loaded question. I want to resonate. Like I am not, I agree completely. Budgeting is overwhelming. It's hard to know where to start. And I personally don't really like enjoy numbers. So, and I figured this out so you guys could do it for sure. My husband's actually in finance. So a little backstory there. And I literally like can't even handle my personal finances, but we're just lucky. I mean, that's why you marry your partner because we balance each other out, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I am not here telling you that like I'm perfect, but the one thing I do bring to my work is that like things have to be treated as almost like this is the framework of your setting your planning up for success. And so if you're a fellow person that doesn't like budgeting like me or numbers, we're trying to make this super straightforward for you so that it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming. And that's exactly what I do with all my clients because this is not the sexy part of wedding planning, obviously. So basically it comes down to me though with this question, like how to build a realistic budget. Like there's just two basic things that I would go for in this, this like first question is that recognize all the categories that you want and need that need to go into your budget. So if you are hosting a wedding at the attended wedding, you need to list out what all goes into that wedding. And you may not know necessarily, but just list everything you can, right? Anything that comes to mind or anything that you think you're going to need to go look into, do it. And then from there, you know, you want to source and research what are accurate price ranges for each of those categories. And so those are my two, like, like just start there so that you can have a realistic, like look at what you need to include and also like what actually the price range will be. And I think it can be that simple and you can start it out as very like generic, like just start with your, you know, first categories and start there and then it will continue to evolve. But at least at the very basis is like get in an Excel sheet 
or on paper or whatever you're using, just get those numbers and start researching so that it can be more realistic as opposed to made up numbers, right? (laughs) And it's always like, where did you get these numbers? So I actually have two questions on that. Okay. So where do you recommend couples look to get at least like a general idea of some numbers? Yeah. Or... Um, and then also on that, on top of that, like, what do you think should be included in a well-rounded budget? If they're like, I have no idea, right? How you know what would be your tips for that? Yeah, so I know it's really hard, like, where to even start looking because I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But the internet is like a vast hole of information. Some of it is accurate, some of it is not. And even within certain articles, like, I'll find things that are in there, and it that is good advice. But then, like, three points later, it's like really bad advice. So I feel for you guys. And it's, you know, it's the same as how I um, approach anything when I want to do something to my house. Like I feel very overwhelmed when I go look at like, how much is this going to cost me to put a fence in? Like, why can't it just say it on the internet, like what it's going to cost? But the truth about it is that because every yard is personal and every measurement is different. And that's the same for your wedding budget, you know, so you have to kind of treat your wedding as like a project. And so there's a little bit of evolution in it, right? So basically, my best recommendation, though, for you for for anyone would be to actually look at what resources local vendors are putting out like on their blogs, or, you know, like even like, in Boston, we have Boston wedding magazine, they are interviewing local vendors that want to help and put that information out there. And then to get really concrete, to be honest, I mentioned researching as one of the first steps. I would reach out to people that you are enjoying. Now, I know it can be a little overwhelming, so I recommend starting with like three or four. But just like reach out, check their availability and say, I want to put together a realistic budget. What on average is like the price point that most of your clients are spending and put that in an Excel sheet and and really start to see what those options are. Something that a lot of couples I think don't either realize or they do realize, but they don't know how to necessarily identify is uh, vendors fall into very different market categories. So for us on this side of everything, we, we know that that's why you're hiring us. And I will always push hire a planner because <laughs> hire yes. a planner, because I take all, we take all this work and we cut it down. Right. But if you don't have the means to hire a planner, it, you can totally do this yourself. It's just going to be a little bit more legwork and you want to research and really get to know the vendors that should be in the right market that you should fall into. So I have a couple of blog posts on my website I'm happy to give you the link for, Mm -hmm. but it kind of breaks down like kind of percentages of how much you should really allocate. So no matter what market you're in, that's pretty accurate, right? The venue and cater, like obviously is going to be a larger chunk. I usually say that's like 50% almost of your budget, sometimes 60%. So, you know, it depends on your demographic. And so that's why I say look for those local vendors that are putting out information. And then outside of that, look for publications that are interviewing local vendors that are in the weeds like they are in your industry helping other couples and that is a really great place to look for information i think that's great i think you know it depends sometimes some companies put pricing on their website or some will put like ranges i know with a lot of rental companies some of them will have like these chairs cost this much and i'm like okay great like sometimes i just want to double check how much the chairs are or the tables are or whatever but then you also have to factor in delivery and other things but i think that's a good starting point right and then sometimes other vendors just don't have anything i try to put some you know range at least like when couples work with me they typically have a budget of this range or whatever and a lot of people tell me they appreciate that because they're just like i just need to know if we're even potentially a good fit or if you're way out of my range or like maybe i can strive for that or whatever. So I think those are really, really great tips. And I think that there's something to be said for like, just because someone is priced, let's, let's use photography as an example. I'm good. I'm better with examples, right? (laughs) And then hypotheticals. So a photographer you may reach out to could be 8,000 for full for 10 hours. And then you may reach out to another photographer who's like 24,000. And you're thinking like, why is there such a big difference? Well, I think the biggest thing to know is that like it doesn't take away from that person who's $8,000, but perhaps they may not have been in business for as many years or, you know, they run their business differently. I mean, I think there's that you're, you can ask those questions without being obviously like rude, but like it, 
instead of asking the question, can you be cheaper? I would recommend asking the question like, you know, like what is your experience and like, you know, what value do you bring to like working with us? You know, instead of asking, why are you 8,000? You know, you might see a difference just in those conversations where the photographer that's 24,000, I mean, you're going to maybe click with them and say like, wow, they're really full service. They're there. That is for a whole weekend. You know, like you're going to see the dis- like the differences and realize why people are priced the way they are. So I wouldn't even necessarily like say just because, you know, you want to stick within this budget range. This is why these conversations are so much so important and so much work at the beginning. But it's not only for you, but it's for the vendor as well. We all want to be the right fit for you. And so that's a little something. But anyways, I didn't answer yes. what should a well-rounded budget include. So I'll go back <laughs> to that real quick. And it's pretty straightforward. I think this part people will understand. But a well-rounded budget to me, and, I, and I'll see if you agree with me, it, I think it should include all categories and subcategories that you need to cover financially that, you know, that could be start with like your big vendors, right? Venue, catering, bartending, photo, video, floral, rentals, like just get it all in there. And then the subcategories, those are areas that I feel kind of do grow over time. And that's why I always recommend putting like a cushion fund into your budget. But the subcategory, for example, could be like, you have stationery. Well, stationery could include, say, the dates, invitations, postage, printed materials. So that's kind of like the best way I would go about. Like if you just get your big categories in there and just keep building the subcategories from there, it will help you a lot. So if you have transportation, think about bridal wedding transportation, uh, groom wedding transportation or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then think about guest transportation. So just break it out kind of like that. I think that's a really good point because I think I take that for granted. Then I'm like, oh, these are the different categories. And then I'm like, wait, flowers has personals, ceremony, you know, altar, like all of these different things that even – but I think you're right. I think breaking it down, first looking at the big picture and then thinking through if you know – if you can break it down even further into smaller subcategories, that yeah. might help you kind of think about think through like, okay, if we have like whatever four thousand, eight thousand dollars spent on flowers, then we have like this much to the ceremony, this much to the reception, mm-hmm. this much maybe for bouquets and stuff. So I think that's a really really good point of talking yeah. about the subcategories. Yeah, exactly. And and it's okay if you don't necessarily like even know what those are yet, but just get down in there like what you should know, because then it's going to be a good basis for like, oh, I need to ask my florist about that, you know, like what, what is an average price point for that. So yeah, no, I, I think that the budget is something that we have to realize, you're not just going to set it at the beginning, it's an ongoing framework. And it's, it's supposed to be evolving. But if you aren't looking at your numbers, that's how people overspend, you know, right. I agree. Are there ever things that you tell couples they should wait on for further down the road after they see how their budget is coming together that they can go ahead and, and book? Or how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, no, that's actually a great question. I do I do get this from my clients actually too, because sometimes, you know, we put together this budget and it's so robust and we're like, <laughs> you know, what do what are the priorities, you know? And so for me, I usually tell people the priority to me is what is most important to you. So, and what what is crucial? So, basically that would be like obviously your venue, you need a location, uh, photography is important, and then also just having like those ranges, like I do low, mid and high. You can really determine what it, what's important. Like you may say, well, a videographer is a must, but maybe I don't need like the most expensive videographer in the world or I don't need the most the largest package in the world. So, that's kind of a good way to let your planning evolve uh, because there are areas that are going to just depend on later down the line. But the first thing you could do to say like, okay, wait, is maybe getting those vendors you really, really want booked first and then see where your budget's falling. So that's kind of like what I would suggest. I think that's a great point because a lot of times with my couples, I'll say, you know, these are, these are your top priorities. And then if you want to do the fireworks, you want to do this or whatever, like let's yeah. see how everything else comes in. And yeah. these are the nice to have. So we'll do those nice to have a little bit later once we see how everything is shaping up. So I think that's a really good point talking about the priorities. Totally. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about something that can be kind of touchy, but something that's very important and definitely a real situation for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Family. 
So sometimes couples (laughs) are lucky to have family contributing to the wedding. Some just have one side handling most of it. Some have like both sets of parents handling it. Some have both that you all are doing it and parents are doing it. And obviously it can get sticky when multiple parties are contributing. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend couples handle it when multiple parties or family members are contributing to the wedding expenses? Oh, I have a lot of opinions on this. So I love this question. And you know, it's it's tough. I, I came from uh, like my family, we contributed and split it up differently. I, I don't know about you, but I've seen it change so much in the last few years and not just few years, but like just in the span of my career, I've seen this change a lot. Like it used to be, you know, one sided family, like, you know, just for this example, like the bride's family would pay for everything. And then like, you know, a groom's family would pay for my same sex couples. I see them often like split it with their families. So it's it's changed a lot nowadays. And so my best advice here is if you are going to have multiple family members contributing to your wedding, I think that these discussions need to happen, first of all, like upfront, talk about how much are we all comfortable chipping in, and then like really be collaborative and ask them like, well, because you are contributing, like, do you have a sense of what you want that to go towards? For instance, like my dad cared about entertainment. So he wanted to contribute money and I let him book the band. You know what I mean? Like, and it was, it was a fun thing for him. Whereas I work with other families who they're like, no, we don't want to be involved at all. Here is your $50,000 towards your wedding budget. And please do not ask me for more and have fun. I can't wait to show up. So I think it's all about that open communication from the very beginning and kind of having like a clear plan of action with your family. And then inside your budget, which is like the logistical, like dorky side of things that I enjoy, I would break that in. So I would have like a master budget if you have like a lump sum. And then I would break out like if you do have other family members contributing, like, you know, okay, so like, Rachel's family is going to contribute to these six things or you know what I mean like break it out into who's contributing what and then have a total at the bottom if you want that or I just do a master budget and then anything outside of the master budget it's like random people contributing here and there like grandma wants to get the string quartet okay have at it grandma you know so sweet of you you know or you could just send a check but it's fine you know I think it's all about like being respectful to the people that are contributing um and you know, that looks different for how they want to give you money. And so the other big thing that I'm going to mention in this, this topic, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, I like want to hear actually, but when you're taking money from your family or other people that opens up the conversation for them to have an opinion on what you do for your wedding. A lot of people struggle with this. And so you need to decide at the very beginning if you want those opinions, if you want this to be a collaborative process with them. And if you don't, then you need to discuss that before you take one penny from them. And I have seen this blow up so many times for different people. It's even been an issue with my own like wedding and my, you know, family. And so just take it from me like money. Don't brush it under the rug. Talk about this with your families and what their expectations are and just Make sure you're all on the same page because it can lead to like a very stressful planning experience if you don't just like get it out all in the open and figure out the plan forward. But would you agree? I don't know if you've seen that happen. No, I I do agree. I think it's it's when people don't communicate and then they wait yeah. or they don't know how to have the conversation. And I get it. It's yeah. it's a it's a kind of a taboo topic, but having that conversation is so important. And I definitely have seen it where. It can be good and it can be bad. I've seen it where, you know, the the couple doesn't really have an opinion. So they're like, great, like mom wants to do – like mom is really – like one mom is really into the decor. So she wants to get involved with that. As And as long as you're okay with that and she's paying for it and she wants to be part of it and you're okay with it, that's yeah. great. I've also seen it where, you know, the parents are paying for it but, you know, the bride has a different kind of vision and then there's going to be some yeah. clashing. I've seen that. Of I tastes. see that all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think as a planner, it puts me in a kind of a challenging position. You've probably seen it too, where you're like, okay, you're paying, but you're the you're the couple, so we need to figure out like you all. The I I can't be the one that says this is what no. we're going to do because you guys have to work it out uh, without me. And I can give right. my opinion, but there can be people that you know, yep, <laughs> disagree. I- and I think that's the hardest part is like if you know, depending on how easygoing some people some people are or how not controlling, but how invested they're going to feel because mm-hmm. they are spending, you know, some of them, they're p- paying for some of it, then thinking through that stuff and having 
I don't know if it's very whatever a conversation about how that's going to go, or if right. you do disagree, how you're going to handle it. Hopefully, you won't have those issues, but we've definitely seen where it can be a problem, and tears, crying, you know, <laughs> all the things. I yeah, yeah, I agree completely, and I think that it's hard because sometimes at the beginning people will say like oh I don't really you know have an opinion like do what you want we're just happy to contribute but you guys really do need to know your family members like we we do get put in a difficult position a lot of the times like I am the mediator and I'm happy to be the mediator but at the same time sometimes it's just not going to be productive like we need to just have some transparency here like you know the bride wants this the groom's, you know, wants this. And then like the mother of the bride is like, well, I'm paying and I don't want either of that. And so like that is an internal family situation and everyone in the planning process has to be on the same page. Like as much as I'm like, I'm good at my job. I'm not like, you know, this is crazy. (laughs) The mediation stuff is like intense. So try to avoid it so that you have fun because I I see it affect people's relationships. It's really unfortunate, you know? Yeah. I think the communication is key for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Okay. So on the topic of having, you know, friends or family, you know, contributing to your wedding, sometimes some couples will talk to their friends about how much they spent on X category or whatever to try to help them understand how much they should be putting towards whatever vendor when they're putting together their budget. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's accurate, inaccurate, realistic? What are your thoughts on that? I I definitely see this happen a lot too, right? And it goes back to kind of what we talked about earlier about like looking for the right resources and knowing when they are the right or accurate resources. Like it's really hard and it can be kind of a merry-go-round, honestly, because you're like, well, my friend said they spent 15000 on a photographer, but like the knots telling me I need to spend 7000 And I'm like, um, and personally, my clients always spend like thirty. So this is like a crazy, I think the biggest thing, like we've already talked about is that like no wedding is the same and there's a lot of personalization to everything we do. And so it there's like location, size, space, personal preferences, experience with your vendors, you know, like your friend may have hired someone at 15,000, but we don't know what that included. Mm-hmm. And so I do like it when people ask their friends for past budgets, but I think as long as you keep in mind that they're pricing was very circumstantial and it varies wedding to wedding. So use it as kind of like an added research, but don't depend on it because there's other things that go into it. Like pricing increases every year, especially in the world these past few years. Be realistic about inflation. (laughs) I will say that. And even throughout your wedding planning process, like you do all this research from the beginning, but it's really naive of us not to think that that's going to be like the price point. It's not going to change later, you know, down the line. Like, There's just so many variables when it comes to decisions and, you know, you need to have that range so that you can feel comfortable working within a range. And so, yeah, I like I said earlier, I I would recommend treating your budget the way you would like a home renovation project and materials and labor. Those are all variables. And so it's important that even though you can get advice from friends, it's important that you do your own research and, you know, make sure you're just staying on top of it as it changes throughout the process. So great. I think that's a great point because also, you know, basically the budget is a reflection of their priorities, but you don't know, you know, if they're the same as yours or their taste or whatever, season, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, So, you know, something that we touched on a little bit before, which kind of piggybacks on this, you know, if the couple has put together their budget and they're hiring their vendors, how often do you recommend they update it and check it just to make sure that they're keeping on pace? Yeah, and I'm sure this answer won't surprise anyone, but I definitely don't think you should do all this legwork and then like forget it, you know? So I usually say every time you spend a dime, that's like my like, that's what I tell my team. Yeah. So check in monthly though, like make sure it's looking cleaned up. But like a good way to like do that is to like use that spreadsheet to also, you know, track your payments and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. And I, I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about that too, but basically I think you should be checking your budget like at least once a month. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And then I think this, this goes into my next question, which is payments. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. Loaded question. <laughs> so, and I think couples don't realize it, but you know, when, no. you, when you're hiring a vendor, you have like 15 to 20 vendors 
maybe more depending on everything. And then the photographer has three payments. The videographer has two payments. The DJ has like, you know, whatever. Multiply that by the number of vendors, you have a ton of payments. And then is it like an envelope with a check, Venmo? You know all that kind of stuff. So many, so many different ways now. To uh, I mean, like literally, it's the reason my job starts to not some starts to feel like a job and not a passion is like this stuff. So I'm like, we feel you. We feel how annoying this is, but it is the it is just the reality of right. a wedding. So yeah, exactly. Do you have best practices for couples to help them keep up with their payments? Yes, I really do. Track. <laughs> I, I also keep up love and this. Keep track. Yeah. I probably should have mentioned from the very beginning. I'm very I'm very type A. So obviously this stuff like lends itself to like what works for me. But you don't have to be and I think like this is actually a really good like what should I say, like job for your spouse or your future spouse. Like my husband, like I said, even though he was in finance, like this stuff is not rocket science to him. I'm like, well, then you track the payments and you be on top of that. So divide and conquer is what I would say. (laughs) But yeah, I do have some best practices. And I think that this part's actually quite simple. But like, if you want to, like, in my budget excels for my clients, I usually put like next to that range, I usually put like an actual line as well. Mm -hmm. So you can see where it's coming in. And then to be, you know, extra annoying, I have a second tab, which you don't have to do. You could also just do it all on one sheet, whatever, whatever you want for your template. (laughs) But for me, I do a second tab. And that's because there's a lot of these little notes, like, payment methods and you know they have different due dates and like it's just I like to separate it out just because it gets like a little annoying and so I would just create like that payment tracking system whether it's a new tab or in your current budget and then I like to list them in due date order I think that helps kind of stay on top of it and then I would add to your calendars maybe like a few days before like a week before just like as you're booking vendors just get in the habit of adding that in now for me like with people are working for me I use an online system and it does that automatically so you may see your vendors do that too so they may be reminding you but the one other thing I want to mention here is that before you go to make a payment unless it's like an auto payment portal with your vendor just check in with them and make sure like their payment method hasn't changed or that their mailing address hasn't changed there's been a lot of changes especially with couples that have postponed in the past i've literally updated people's payment methods like that's literally all my assistant does i feel bad and so just like check in with them before you send the check to the wrong place i would say but if you start logging that stuff at the very beginning it's easier. So you can just copy like, so say the band is a 50% deposit and another 50% at the end. At the very beginning, when I log that, I put deposit was made. This second part is what should be due, the due date and how you paid or how the contract says you paid. So do all that as you're booking, right? Like I booked the band, this is going to be the final payment. And then when you get closer, just copy and paste out of your thing. Hey, band, does this look correct still? It's that simple. So if you do the legwork and check in on it throughout the process, you're going to make your life a little bit easier later on. And then that listing it in fine in due date order, I'm telling you, is like it helps. So yeah, yeah. no, I think we do a lot of those same things. Yeah, I love that you said if you don't have a planner, have your spouse hire track a planner. Payments. Oh yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that too. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the payment tracking can be a bear. But I mm. think doing all those things, setting a calendar reminder, having it, you know, come up to remind you a week ahead or two weeks ahead so that you remember to send that check um, yeah. or whatever payment it is, is a really good idea. And then putting it either in like due date order or we do it like by month, like this is what's coming up this month, et cetera. So that yeah. you can check in on those things is a really, really great idea. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else before we start to wrap up that you want to touch on that we haven't touched on as far as budgeting? So we can get into like some other fun <sighs> stuff. Oh, fun. No, you know, honestly, I think that this was a good, I hope it didn't overwhelm anyone because I had promised I wasn't going to, but then I realized that it is a loaded topic. But I would just say that take your time before booking your vendors to really do this work and you'll feel more confident like as you go to book. So even though it does feel like uh, like tedious and overwhelming at first, you know, just tell if you're getting pressure from people or the venue's like, you know, we really need you to decide on the date, like just say I'm working through my budget because please hold it. Like we are very serious or, you know, mom, I know we need to book the date, but we have to figure out this budget stuff first because I promise you it's going to make your life so much easier after that. Like, It's just it is the number one source of stress that I see happen with families and with couples planning. And um, it can be so much more organized if you just take some time at the beginning. So that's my last little like chime in. (laughs) 
I, I agree. And I think it's not the sexy thing that no one – it's the thing that nobody wants to do, but it's the important thing before you book a vendor or yeah. a venue or whatever to, to do this like work up front so that you are not making costly mistakes that you realize later yeah. on that wasn't a good idea based on your priorities or what you were, you know, everything else envisioning. you envisioning. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like the struggle of my entire life. Like, I don't want to have to budget for my personal life, but I do want like a new handbag. So, right. but my husband's like, you just have to pay bills first. I'm like, oh, it's so boring. But, you know, like when I'm an adult so and cute. I am budgeting, I do end up getting the things I want easier. So it all works out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So a couple other things. So one question I do like to ask a lot of my, my guests, because you're the experts, is there something that you would want to debunk? about the wedding industry or tell couples something surprising that they don't know about that you want to share? I love this question. Um, okay. I'm going to relate it to budgeting just because I think that this is a big one. There's, can I do two? Is that annoying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. No. I'm going to do two. They're not long. They're just to the point. And I, I, I say this to my couples all the time. Actually, I just thought of a third. My God, this is a great question. I'm only going to give you a two. <laughs> so, many things. Uh, so many things. I think the first thing, which we we did kind of chat about, but the first big, big thing I was going to note was like, so when you're going through all these budget categories, a lot I hear a lot of couples say to me, like, this is absurd. They have like an 18% admin charge. They have tax. They have all these extra fees on top. And that is something I would love to continue to debunk. I mentioned this on like any interview I'm on just because I do think it's an important one. No one's out to get you guys. This is like a business and this is how they have to like track all this. So your food and beverage is a totally separate line item because they have to track their inventory. They have to pay vendors. They have to see where their revenue is coming from. So like you're never going to get like an all-in-one cost when it comes to like a venue or even other things like people are like rentals. Why is there a delivery fee? Well, they have to track like how much they're making and then charge the labor separate. So this is all just a business. We're not trying to like be out to get you. And again, this is why you should do your budget at the beginning because those are sometimes like areas of unexpected fees that couples don't think about and they feel like they're being taken advantage of, but really like you just didn't do the research to understand that that's how this works. You know, like I would never like order something for my home and be like, I can't believe they charge me for delivery and shipping. Like it's It's just easier. It's not not free. Like, yeah. So that's like the one little thing I would love the world to debunk. And then shoot, what was my second one? I, it, that was my big one that I really wanted to share. So, I love it. Yeah. If you think, I think the that one, guys, we're going to put in the show notes and you can read the show notes. And we'll okay. That sounds good. Cause I did that. Was, I was so passionate about that one that I like forgot the other one. So I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> that good then. <laughs> okay. So, so this is the next segment, our last segment, which is this or that and yeah, I love basically it. I say something and you tell me what your preference is okay do you like surprises or do you prefer spoilers I am I, I don't like surprises as a planner I'm, I'm just I don't know unless it's like a true surprise you know what I mean right. so I think I'm, I'm a spoiler person if it was like yeah. a gift at like the holidays and someone's like I want you to open it right now or they're like can I just tell you what I got you would you tell I would want to know. You? Just tell me what I got. Oh, yeah. See, I like what I like. You the like the surprise? You're That's so like cute. That's like the only time I like a surprise, though, because yeah. I feel like I, everything else is planned. I, if it was for my couple's wedding and they want to keep things to an element of surprise with their guests, I'm all for it. But when it comes to my personal life, I need to know what's happening at all times of the day because I'm a psychopath, apparently. <laughs> And it's fine. It is what it is. My husband would care less. I'm like, don't you want to know what I got you? And he's like, no. <laughs> Well, I'm, like, I'm gonna return it now. Cool. I know. I was okay. like, "Well, do I even have to get you anything then?" <laughs> I'm exactly. just kidding. Yeah, okay. that's a fun one. Uh, question uh, two: Kids or no kids at weddings? Oh, I feel bad. I really don't think kids belong at a wedding. I think it does depend, though. So, like, if you right. are at a setting where it feels like appropriate, great. But like, it's kind of boring for them. Like, unless they're like in the wedding party. I don't know. I've just seen a lot of people like their kids are sleeping on shivari chairs at the end of the night. Right. I feel so bad. So if you are going to have kids, like maybe also just like have activities for them and or mm-hmm. even like hire like a group child care system or something like that. But personally, I don't think kids should really be at weddings. I think that it, it's a liability in a lot of different ways. So they're, yeah, but that's True. just my 
personal as opinion. a parent i'm also like i am happy to get a date night without my kids so are you kids, yeah great like i, I feel bad because yeah like my sister i mean and i'm sure maybe i'll feel differently when i have a child right. but uh i don't know i don't think i will honestly it's i think like, it's hard i think it's like i think it's like if it's your sister if it's like your immediate right. family yes they can come and then they can like yes. leave whenever but then everybody else like just i know well, i know it's like hard, how many kids is traveling. that gonna be i know and then i, I think it's problematic because people are like well then your kids came and then your kids came and why can't oh. my kids come and it's just becomes a whole spiral of things of things yeah also think about this when you walk into your room and you're like, wow, my reception decor looks so beautiful. Think about high chairs at your beautiful reception. <laughs> Literally, this just happened to me at a wedding. I'm like, this wedding is so beautiful. And then I had to put a high chair there. So like, just think just think about these I things. I always hide it. That's what would happen. Exactly. I do too. I put it like behind a planter and then the mom's looking for it. I'm like, it's right here. Should have left her kid at home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I love kids. Oh God, I really so do. I just think that there's certain activities that aren't as exciting for them. So, exactly. and I think and that they're just like I'd rather be yeah. somewhere else playing video games. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, paper invitations or electronic invitations. Okay, well, you probably know what I'm going to say to this, but like, I just, I like truly have to say paper. And I know some people don't care about it, which is why you're going to set your own budget and you're going to decide if you care about that or not. But personally, I think it's a really fun way to set the tone before the wedding day and also just like bring a cohesive design to everything. So I don't know. I'm a big paper fan. I am a paper fan too. But you know, there yeah. are, someday we'll have someone that says electronic. <laughs> I know. I, I've had it before and like I respect their I mean, at yes. the end of the day, it's their wedding, not mine. But I, I right. uh, most of my parents would never agree. They're like, proper etiquette like they'd yes. have a heart attack so that too. and I kind of um, do agree with them but at the same time not my wedding so <laughs> right exactly that's why I'm your planner just I'll that's why I'm your you planner want. whatever you I'll want you I know opinion. how to do it yeah I gave you my opinion I I can tell you <laughs> what I think but yeah okay giant cake for the wedding or a mini cake and mini cup so like one giant cake versus a small mini cake and mini desserts and mini cupcakes or whatever mini desserts well, it's ironic because I wrote down the answer for this and then I realized that I did totally different thing for my <laughs> wedding. But I like one giant gorgeous cake. I just think that they – it's like when you shut your eyes as a little girl or a little kid, like mm-hmm. I think of the wedding cake and it's just like this beautiful piece of art, tastes like heaven. I just love cake apparently. Um, but for my wedding, I had a mini cake in a pie bar. So I think <laughs> I think that it's like I get it. I get why people don't do the giant cake. I love you know? designing cake. And I love designing she was cake. Like, They're like, what if you just had some of it be dummy tears? And I was like, this mm. is true too because we could put a really I do that all cake. the time. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know. Okay. Band I love DJ? doing that. Definitely a band for me. You know, I just – I think it's just the ambiance and the entertainment it's aspect. Fine. It just brings it to another level. Unless you have a really awesome DJ. And if you are going to get a DJ, do get someone who is a like really fun addition to like the ambiance and right. doesn't feel like a tacky MC type of situation. Yes. So. Yeah. And then matching dresses for bridesmaids or different things? Groomsmaids, whatever. Bridesmaids, groomsmaids. Matching dresses or different? Mm-hmm. See, I personally think different is really fun. I love I that trend lately. But I think it depends on the person, right? So if it was me, yeah. I would I would do different. But I do think that some beautiful matching dresses can work for the right couple. You know, it just depends mm-hmm. on – it's so hard because it's like related to me or related to my clients. Right. Like I love both, so I can't answer right. it. <laughs> What's your favorite detail that you've incorporated into a wedding that would inspire our listeners? Oh, yes. Okay. So I thought this was a hard one. So I've been thinking about it. I think it is hard. It is a hard one because we do a lot of fun things and a lot of it is like can be personalized. But Mm -hmm. so lately, though, I've been loving that our couples are leaning into like very elevated entertainment experiences. And so it looks different for a lot of people. But like I have a couple, you know, who hired instead of doing like a full band, we just did a DJ hybrid band. So she you know, a DJ is great if you're super picky with your music. Let me just say that. Like a band is not going to learn like a random indie song that you're obsessed with that came out last year. So, I mean, they might learn one song for you, but they're, if that's True. like really the whole vibe you want. So we did a DJ hybrid and we had this amazing electric violinist come in. We had, you know, stand up bass and the guitarist and then the DJ. And it was just a really fun, modern, like, play on like a band and the energy was amazing um I've all it's a fun twist you know if you want to do like a pop 
trio for cocktail hour. And then I've also even had some couples start to use like entertainers and bands to start like transitioning people into spaces. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I had a bride who went to school in New Orleans. So we did like the second line and we moved them into the ballroom. And so I just fine. think that like you can use these like entertainment experiences. Like you've already hired your entertainment people. So ask them, how can we, you know, do something personal or fun? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that I would say has like been my favorite details as of lately. People are really getting into the experience. So yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah, it's a lot it's of fun. fun. It changes it up too. Yeah. Um, totally. Okay. I don't know if you have one for this one, but what's oh. the worst thing that you've seen or heard of? Like, so it didn't happen at your wedding, but heard of happening at a wedding just so that we can all learn from it. Oh, sure. This is an easy one. I have seen quite a few things in my career. So when I worked for a venue, I had a groomsman faint at the altar and it was from drinking too much, oh. like too much, too much. And like we that all joke about like it. Before? Like that, no, this like, was, was like, oh. no, that day. Yeah, he was like hammered okay. that day. He was like drinking whiskey all day. And I think that it's like something we see a lot, right? Like binge drinking at weddings. And I know it's a fun day. Listen, I've, I've had my own fair share of hangovers after a wedding day. But like be respectful to your friends. Like they invested so much in their wedding day. And then you like he fainted at the altar. Like it's so oh. offensive. Um, and also was like rather concerning and um, disruptive, obviously, because mm-hmm. we had to make sure mm-hmm. he was like, okay. Uh, so yeah, that would be like the worst thing I've seen. Um, although I've also seen some like other things that were out of people's control. So it wouldn't be something we could necessarily right. learn from, but I've had like priests, yeah. um, f- have medical issues in the middle of the ceremony and faint, a lot of fainting. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. but I would say overconsumption yeah. and like people mixing stuff, like just like mm-hmm. be respectful to your friend's weddings. Like it's weird. Because, like, obviously the parents were, like, even equally traumatized. They were like, oh, my gosh. And, yeah, so that was bad. That was bad. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I mean, it's that terrible. But thank you for sharing that so that we can hopefully avoid that. Yeah. Tell your people to eat during the day and drink water. (laughs) That's what I would recommend. drink, but just make sure you hydrate. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Renee. It was so lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. I have loved this, and I can't wait to have you back on the show. Before we go, can you let our listeners know where to find you online? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun chatting. I feel we could talk forever. So I have to have you on my podcast next. Yeah, definitely. But um, no, thank you. So if anyone wants to check me out, you can find me on Instagram at urban underscore soiree, or you can go to urban-soiree.com. And then I have a podcast, although it's for wedding creatives. So it might be a little different. There are people listening to that right now. There are definitely wedding people. Yeah. And also sometimes like my couples listens because it Mm -hmm. is fun for you to get to know your vendors and hear what we do. So if you do want to check that out, it's called The Confession hour and you can find it on anywhere that has podcasts so yeah amazing thank you so much again ladies and gentlemen renee sabo of urban soiree thank you (laughs) i hope you all enjoyed this week's episode with renee if you are a vendor make sure you follow her podcast at the confetti hour podcast i could talk to her all day about budgets and everything else so super sexy and wedding planning I also thought that we could do a behind the scenes budgeting tutorial episode where you listen in and I walk you through me putting together an actual budget. So if that would be helpful, let me know in your Apple podcast review. And I think that would be super, super fun. Lots of numbers. Also, don't forget we have a wedding budget bundle in our wedding planning template shop at shop.verveventco.com. So check that out. That is also a popular item, which would probably be great for having in the beginning of your wedding planning doesn't hurt to get one at the end, but definitely having one at the beginning is going to help you control your costs and put together a spending plan. Anyways, if you have questions about wedding budgets or anything else, make sure you send me a DM on Instagram at ask the planner podcast, or you can call our wedding planning hotline at 585-210-3467. Again, that's 585 210 Three, four, six, seven. Speaking of hot, you know what's hot? People that leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. I'm kidding, not really. That was super corny, but anyways, thought I'd throw it out there. Anyways, I wanted to get to today's review of the day, which comes from Meg with a bunch of nines after her name. So Meg9999 leaves us a five-star review, which says, very helpful and detail-oriented. Two exclamation points. Love the exclamation points. 
Meg writes, Desiree is very organized and helpful as she approaches each wedding topic. I love listening to her podcast during my commute as I'm starting to dive deep into my wedding planning. I opted out of getting a full planner for my wedding and opted for a month of coordinator. Very smart. So it's been so nice to listen to her advice and buy her comprehensive planning checklist. Highly recommend. That was her saying highly recommend. Thank you, Meg. I found her checklist to be uniquely helpful for post-COVID wedding planning, since now it feels like classic timelines will leave you behind schedule nowadays. Ooh, so true. I'm in like a hoarding mentality. Anyways, I also really respect her taste after listening to multiple episodes. Oh, thank you. I feel that when you hear her opinion on an aspect of wedding planning, it comes from a place of lots of experience and high class. Oh, that's so nice of you. I feel like I need to read your review all the time. She seems very thoughtful in her advice. Thank you, Desiree. I look forward to season three. Yay, Meg. I'm so glad you feel that way. That was like the nicest review I've ever gotten. Anyways, thank you so much. Yes, I do put a lot of time and I... I give you all my opinion for better or for worse. So hopefully you appreciate that I'm being very, very honest and candid with you when I talk to you guys in our podcast. Anyways, if you want to be awesome like Meg, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and include your Instagram handle if you want. You don't have to. But the Ask the Planner gifting suite is still open and I am giving away Amazon and Target gift cards, discounts to our wedding planning template shop, and so much more. Also, I've been trying to think of like a really awesome thing for you guys, for people who think of our name for our listeners. So if you have an idea, please write in, DM me, put it in your review on Apple Podcasts. We can also vote. I'm thinking a $50 gift card, but we'll see. Maybe something else, but something big and awesome. That is it for today's episode. If you want to reference the show notes or find out where you can get the budget bundle, make sure you check out the show notes for today's episode at verveventco.com forward slash 72. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash 72. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I love spending time with you in your earbuds and in the car or at the gym. To connect with me further, make sure you follow the Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast, also on TikTok. Leave me a voicemail on our hotline and I will answer your question in a future episode or just say hi. Until next time, happy planning. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 